This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Fay Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. What is going on? I'm Rob Fay. Welcome to your Monday edition of Sports Bar Radio. It is the 30th day of August, and I am so glad that you have stopped by. It was a really busy weekend, and I know you're thinking, what? There was no hockey? There was no regular season NFL games. Trust me, there's a bunch of stuff that went on, and this podcast is here to make sure that within an hour, you are completely up to date in all of the world of sports. All right, there is one story. It is the one that just rises above all the rest. You know where I'm going with this. I'm going to take you to that one story that's got everybody buzzing right now. Let me get you to the lead. We've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you. Okay, well, let's be honest. Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today. All right, so a lot of people would say that this is the slow time of the sports year, especially in Canada when there's no hockey and, yes, baseball starting to make its way towards the postseason, but we still feel as if this is the dull days. It's when guys like, you know, Rick Dollywall and all those guys take their holidays because they want to be back in time for hockey. But I would like to think that for guys like me, this is a great time of the year because now we get to accentuate some of the other sports. Everything from UFC to boxing to basketball to all the things that not a lot of people in Vancouver talk about on the regular. And it's not that they don't feel comfortable about it, but they usually just graze over it. One thing happened this past weekend that I don't think a lot of people are going to talk about in this city that I think you need to kind of look at and say, this is a deal and it's not going to be going away. These celebrity fights with Jake Paul and Logan Paul and all these secondary kind of non-sanctioned fights, they're here to stay. And more than anything, they're selling out arenas. 18,000 fans were there to watch Tyron Woodley and Jake Paul. And they had Ariel Hawani, they had all of the big players that were there, and this was a real fight. It was eight rounds, it was a full card, and it sold huge numbers. And it made big money. So then you combine it with the fact that World Wrestling Entertainment and all these AEW pop-ups that are coming around. I shouldn't call AEW a pop-up. They've been around for a couple of years now. But all of these secondary sports are starting to come to the forefront and people are buying in. I'm telling you right now, the pandemic has shifted everything. Now, yes, hockey and baseball and basketball and football and soccer, the main five in North America, are still going to get their grease. But make no mistake about it. These one-offs are not one-offs. They're cash cows, and people are starting to turn their attention to these cash cows, and people are starting to check in. I love the fact that it has gone this way. I didn't initially, I will be honest, when I first saw these Logan brothers start to appear, I said, oh, this is not going to be good for the sport. But then I saw what they were doing beyond just the facade, beyond just the trash talking that was going on at the press conferences, and Jake Paul and Logan Paul are taking less money to make sure that the other boxers on the card make more money. They're trying to draw attention to the fact that these sports are incredibly top-heavy. And if you're the main event, sure, you get yours, but there's a lot of fighters, for example, on a UFC card that aren't making more than $10,000, $15,000 for a fight. And you got to remember, these guys only fight three, four times a year. 
So I like the fact that the attention is being drawn here. I like the fact that now Dana White, who used to laugh these guys off, is all of a sudden circling back and saying, hmm, maybe we should have a conversation. Maybe I should let guys like Jorge Masvidal or Conor McGregor step into the ring with these guys. Not the octagon, but the ring. Which means that the Paul brothers in particular have now gotten the attention of those who were refusing to give them attention. Golden Boy Productions saw it a couple of months ago. That's why they got involved with the Pauls, because they saw that there was money to be had with these secondary fights. And you know what? I've said this for years, that boxing as a sport was dead. That after the eras of Lennox Lewis and Evander Holyfield and Vladimir Klitschko, that boxing as a whole, and don't get me wrong, the diehards are going to tell me to go f but dead serious here, that boxing to the mainstream was done. That the personalities weren't just there. It had, there's more than just Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder and Joshua. There has to be more. And this fills a void. It fills a void in a very big way. And you know what the best part about it is? Is it's a combination of what the sport should be and a combination of what sports fans crave. It's a little more bravado. It's a little more in your face. Like here is a snippet from the end of the fight Shortly after Jake Paul was acknowledged as the winner, Tyron Woodley, the sore loser, and, well, hijinks ensue. Of course I want a rematch. I felt like I won the fight. I felt like he was tough. I hit him. The ropes held him up. I landed more power shots. When he threw the shots, they were hitting my gloves. When he landed a clean shot, which he did, he landed clean shots, and I knew he had heavy hands. But nobody, I didn't hit the ground like his other opponents. I walked him down, and I landed back. So let's run it back. Does that interest you, Jake? Hey, look, of course he wants the payday, you know, of course you want the payday. You had the fight. I don't want the payday. I want to fight. You had your opportunity. You had your opportunity. So you don't want to fight me again. Hey, you old news, fam. You, you had your chance. Sorry. Logan, Logan. You had your chance. Fall back. You had your chance. I was nothing but respectful to you right now. You, you the one that got wobbled, almost sent through the rope. If these fucking ropes wasn't seven foot two, you would have went through the ropes. I landed the power punches. You missed. If you, if you get the tattoo, not scared running back. If you, if you, if you get the tattoo, I love Jake Paul. Let's run it back. Bet. Let's go. Deal. Make the bet. Bet. Deal. Get the tattoo. Get the tattoo. We'll run it back. Right now, tonight, tonight with Tattoo Baby. We got the tattoo artist right here, so you ain't going nowhere. Tattoo tonight. Wipe the sweat off and shave that leg, because I'm putting I Love Jake Paul on your fucking leg, and then we can run it back. That audio coming from Showtime. So that's what it is. One guy wins, one guy loses, they bitch back and forth, somebody says they're going to get a tattoo, and now maybe there's a rematch. I mean, that's the kind of state that we're in right now. But yet, people love that. Will Tyron Woodley really go and get a tattoo on his leg that says Jake Paul on it? Stay tuned for maybe, just maybe, another payday for both of these fighters. Now, again, I know that it doesn't necessarily pay tribute and homage to the greatness of the sport as a whole, but again... This is where we are as a society in 2021. Gone are the days of the regalness and the pomp and the circumstance of true titans getting into the ring. Now, it's can you get social media likes? Can you get retweets? Can you get all that stuff that comes with eyes on streams? And the Palm Brothers have it down to a science. Act the fool, stay in the ring, pick up the odd win, 
And I'll tell you what, it's been a pretty good recipe to watch from 100 miles away, and uh, I don't think it's going anywhere. What do you think? Hit me up on Twitter, at Rob Fay, R-O-B-F is in Frank A-I. Do you think that this disparages the sport as a whole? Do you think that boxing is lesser because of what's going on? Or do you think that the Paul brothers are actually changing the landscape of boxing by trying to create an environment where all of the boxers get paid instead of just those at the top of the totem pole? It's an interesting conversation. Don't just put them off because of the personalities that you don't like. Look at the bigger picture. Look at what they're doing as a whole. And if you can still say that it's bad for the sport, fine. But I do think it is worth the conversation. And I do think that if you look at everything that they're doing, not just the bravado and the brashness of two guys that quote unquote should have no business being in the ring, it's worth the conversation and it is a tremendous business model. All right, let's take a look at the rest of the sporting world. What? There's more than just Jake Paul fighting? Yeah, there is, believe me. We're going to get into baseball, basketball, football, you know, all the usual suspects now. Ronaldo and Manchester, everything is good on the other side of the pond, and we've got a lot of stuff. Naomi Osaka speaking from the heart yet again. Is she transitioning the youth of our generation to now all of a sudden open up as sports fans, us tough guys that don't ever open up? Is she changing the landscape as well? Let's get you to all these different stories. So many good things happening over the course of the weekend. Let me get you to that one place where we house all of it. Let me get you into the VIP room. You knew tonight was going to be a good night, didn't you? Guys, the ladies don't want you wasting their time, so get to the point. 10 topics, 10 minutes. Hold on to your drinks because we're about to bring you the entire world of sports before the DJ can pull out the vinyl for his next set. Welcome to the VIP room. So here in Vancouver, we have been fearful of the dreaded offer sheet because everybody assumes at some point, somebody's gonna step back and say, you know what, we should maybe take a kick of the can at that blonde haired kid from Vancouver, Elias Pedersen. And you know that if an offer sheet came from another team in the NHL, that that would absolutely light this city on fire. Now, general manager of the Vancouver Canucks, Jim Benny, went on Sportsnet 650 a couple of weeks ago and said, don't you worry, any offer sheet will be matched. But it does at least warrant the conversation of what if. Well, what if became a reality between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Montreal Canadiens and Jesperi Kokaniemi, who received an offer sheet. And it's a big deal. On top of a first and a third round draft pick, the Hurricanes would have to pay the 21-year-old Finn $6.1 million next season should the Habs choose not to match. Kokaniemi can't be worth over $6 million just because of the offense. But I think they're looking at the long play here. They're looking at the long-term opportunities here. And now that the offer sheet is out there, the conversation really heats up as to what Montreal and Carolina are going to do in this situation. Now, to circle back on Elias Patterson, the Canucks cap situation makes this a problem. It's not necessarily a problem with Montreal and Carolina the way that it would be here in Vancouver. But the reason that it hasn't happened? Got to remember, the team that places that offer sheet has to be willing to part with at least four picks and offer a mega contract. And by the way, those four picks are all in the first round, which I don't think a lot of teams are willing to do unless they know, they know that that is a franchise-changing player. At the end of the day, you're betting, and in some instances overpaying, on a young player's upside against teams that either don't have the money or don't have the space, and even then, you gotta wonder if you're willing to garner your future for the opportunity at said player. It is an interesting time in the NHL now that we've actually seen 
an offer sheet dropped. Don't forget, Mark Bergevin went out there on Sebastian Ajo not long ago, which is why the Carolina-Montreal thing is so enjoyable to watch. But everybody in Vancouver is watching this one with bated breath, wondering if some team might just step in and uh, ruffle some feathers, if you will. Over the weekend, Minnesota Wild signing defenseman Jordy Ben to a one-year deal, just under a million dollars. Uh, ben was one of the more underappreciated players in Vancouver. Finished with one goal, nine assists, and a plus-seven ratings over 39 games between Vancouver and Winnipeg last season. Also played in a couple of playoff games for the Jets. The Wild, by the way, will be his fifth NHL team. And over the weekend, a couple of eyebrows raised when Jack Eichel was en route to Montreal. And this was just because there was an event going on there. But everybody assumed that after changing to his new super agent, Pat Brisson, and all of a sudden Eichel on the move going across the border, that everybody assumed that maybe something was happening. Nothing is happening. Eichel is chosen to go with Pat Brisson, who represents some of the biggest names, including Crosby, McKinnon, Tavares, Pedersen, and Hughes. But the price tag on Jack Eichel is an interesting one to me just because he's still got to figure what the deal is with that herniated disc. It's still got to get repaired. And then you've got to wonder about the timing it's going to take for him to get back on the ice and what kind of player he'll be once he gets back on the ice. He's got five years left on an eight-year, $80 million contract that has a no-trade clause that kicks in next summer. It is going to take an agent like Pat Brisson to find a buyer and uh, find a conclusion to this saga that has been going on for nearly two calendar years now. But again, the story over the weekend was that Jack Eichel was heading up to Montreal. It was just for an event, but boy, did that have people wondering if Jack Eichel was on the move, like, actually. Well, to the NFL and the New Orleans Saints who have been through this, although it was several years ago since Hurricane Katrina battered Louisiana, uh, they had to move their practices to the home of the Dallas Cowboys because of Hurricane Ida. And that's where we find the Saints today, and we will find them tomorrow and Wednesday at AT&T Stadium because they are trying to stay out of the way of Mother Nature. Now, they're supposed to open up at home September the 12th against Green Bay. Ida making landfall in New Orleans last night as a powerful Category 4 hurricane with winds over 150 miles per hour, one of the most powerful storms to ever strike the United States. And this is more than just whether or not the Superdome escapes the wrath of Hurricane Ida. It is a community that obviously right now has seen fatalities. Uh, the water levels have risen. There has been mass destruction in that region. So you got to wonder if they're going to be ready to play at home and celebrate the pomp and circumstance of a week one, knowing what is going on in their community. I'm not going to say that that game's going to get canceled, but a relocation at this point is a possibility. And the New Orleans Saints, having been through this before, will definitely make the right decision. On to football on this side of the border, Edmonton Elks and the Saskatchewan Roughriders announcing that they have increased their COVID-19 protocols for their home games starting today. Both clubs are now going to require spectators to be fully vaccinated or to provide a negative COVID-19 test if they want to get into either of those stadium speed in Edmonton or Saskatchewan, respectively. This one coming from Riders President Craig Reynolds, who said in a statement, quote, in consultations with local medical health officers this past week, they voiced their support to begin requiring proof of vaccination at Rough Riders games. After speaking with our stakeholders, including the city of Regina, our stadium owner, Real, our stadium operator, and the Canadian Football League, we decided that this is the right decision for our club and our fans. Now, the Riders released notes that children under the age of 12 who currently cannot be vaccinated will, in fact, be exempt from this protocol. It is just going to become the norm, at least for the foreseeable future, and hopefully everybody can get on board. 
Okay, to the diamond we go, and it just seems like the Mets are the team that everybody loves to hate. They got all that talent, they got Francisco Lindor, they've got Marcus Stroman, Kevin Pilar, and Javier Baez, and yet they just can't seem to get out from the black cloud. And uh, basically their president, Sandy Alderson, saying in a statement released Sunday night that he will be meeting with members of his team today for what he calls, quote, totally unacceptable, unquote, gestures done by players during their recent games. So what the Mets are doing is this thumbs-down gesture that Javier Baez was accused of giving to fans during Sunday's victory. He says, quote, we're not machines. We're going to struggle seven times out of ten. It just feels bad when I strike out and then I get booed. It doesn't really get to me, but I want to let them know that when we're successful, we're going to do the same thing to let them know how we feel. Now, Francisco Lindor, Kevin Pillar, and a few others appeared to display their gesture on Sunday. Pillar on Twitter just saying, you know what, it's all good. Quote, Love y'all too, felt nothing but love in New York City, and no, I'm not booing the fans. We're just having fun. It's no different than earlier this year when we were chirping, which is another hand gesture. Please don't look much into this. Owner of the Mets, Steve Cohen, tweeted on Sunday, quote, I miss the days when the biggest controversy was our black jerseys, unquote. Mets are off today before they take on Miami starting on Tuesday. To tennis we go where Naomi Osaka came out this weekend saying in a rather lengthy statement on her social media, quote, I've been reflecting over the past year. So grateful for the people around me because the support I feel is completely unparalleled. Recently, I've been asking myself, why do I feel the way that I do? And I realized one of the reasons is because internally, I think I'm never good enough. I've never told myself that I've done a good job, but I do know constantly that I tell myself that I suck or I could do better. Now, before I get on to the rest of the quote, let me stop there. This is a professional athlete at the top of her sport, opening up in ways that we have rarely heard professional athletes go to. Later on, she says, quote, I know I give my heart to everything I can, and if it's not good enough for some people, then my apologies, but I can no longer burden myself with those expectations. Seeing everything that's going on in the world, I feel like if I wake up in the morning, that is a win, and that's how I'm coming. The reason that I brought this up, it's not necessarily newsworthy in the fact that she won a couple of sets or has advanced in a certain tournament, but more in the fact that we have this conversation in the media that we don't get the same access anymore. I think that access has simply changed, and I don't think that this is breaking news, but every once in a while when you see something like this statement-wise, they are controlling their own narrative. The only way that you would be able to have that kind of a conversation is that if you had a one-on-one -on -one with a journalist who was willing to go out there, take out a whole page, and tell it the way that you wanted it told. Didn't always happen like that, but at least that was the goal back in the day. It's almost as if certain athletes right now are cutting the middleman out of the equation, as in they don't need the media. The media can come and report the scores, they can say what they've seen, but at the end of the day, people like Naomi Osaka run her own messaging. And very quickly to the association, Rajon Rondo, who was sent to the Memphis Grizzlies and then bought out, has signed a one-year $2.6 million deal with the Los Angeles Lakers upon clearing waivers earlier today. That coming from ESPN. Rondo will still make his full $7.5 million salary this season between the buyout and that deal with the Lakers. That announcement looks to be made official tomorrow. Rondo, 35, traded from the Clippers to the Grizz earlier this month as part of that Eric Bledsoe deal and adds his name to a team that already has LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony, and Marc Gasol. That is one heck of a team. All right, let's take our break here. When we come back, we're going to switch gears and touch on the Vancouver Whitecaps, who went from the penthouse 
to the outhouse and right back to the penthouse in the matter of a week. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio. As always, it's presented to you by Equity Guru. I will be back after this. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen. This segment is brought to you by me and my new enterprise, Nation Extreme Wrestling. Hey, what would happen if a wrestling mark from way back decided that he was going to start his own wrestling promotion here at home and have some of the most talented wrestlers in North America hang out with him? Well, tell you what, you can follow our journey at www.nationextremewrestling.com and stay tuned for show dates in the coming months. Welcome back to Sports Bar Radio with host Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity.Guru. Welcome back to Sports Bar Radio. I'm Rob Fay, your Monday edition. You're probably shaking off the rust of the weekend. You know what? I have been doing this weight loss thing. I shouldn't call it a weight loss thing. I'm trying to do a weight management thing. (laughs) It's weight loss. Let's call it what it is. I do so good during the work week, but then I get to the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You meet up with friends. You go out for a drink or two. You do all your regular stuff, and the next thing you know, you hop back on that scale, and you're right where you started. It's kind of this uh, weird effect of... You win some, you lose some, but uh, as long as you're enjoying life wherever you are, I hope this podcast finds you well. So let's talk a little bit about the teams here in Vancouver because we have teams with so many different storylines. And, you know, we touched very briefly on the Vancouver Canucks a little earlier in this show, but the Vancouver Whitecaps, if you think of the last, what, eight to ten days, what a surreal experience coming off a homecoming where they picked up a victory. Then they go over to the island to get thumped by a team that they had no business losing to. They fire their coach, come back to Vancouver, and then pick up a 4-1 win over Real Salt Lake. So... What do you make of the Vancouver Whitecaps? And this is the highs and lows of teams that have had to make major adjustments. And I don't think that a lot of people understand the magnitude of what has gone into the last year. I mean, you think of the Vancouver Canadians, who we'll touch on. We'll think of the BC Lions, who we'll get to. We'll think of all of these different sports teams that have truly had to alter more than just things on the field, but off the field. So let's start with the pitch. Because Vancouver Whitecaps have played a majority of their games this season in a city called Sandy, Utah. They come back a couple of weeks ago, get a rousing ovation upon the return, show real well, then all of a sudden go over to the island and in a troublesome 4-3 loss decide that it's time to move on from their coach, Mark Dos Santos. But they come home, play one of their best games of the season, getting goals from all the usual suspects, and life is so very good again. It is really tough to fire anybody in a year where the challenges have just been so monumental. For example, let's pull the lens back a little bit and talk about the Toronto Blue Jays for even just a few seconds here. Do you really fire Charlie Montoyo when his team has spent time at home in Dunedin, at home in Buffalo, and at home in Toronto? I mean, these circumstances are just so surreal that it is tough to watch somebody lose their job. Like, I get it. It's an embarrassing loss to go over and lose to Pacific FC. I understand that the Whitecaps, even if it was Jeff Mallett, even if it was the owner that said enough is enough and it's time to punt on this guy, I have a real tough time watching changes when you've got so many changes around you that are out of your control. Like, I understand that people last year were calling for Jim Benning's job, but that was something that was seven years in the making, and he's an executive. I think for players, I think for coaches, I think there's got to be a different standard. 
Like, am I wrong to say that? Like, I understand. If your team is losing, you want to make change. If your team is losing and it looks like they might miss the playoffs yet again, that somebody in upper management might panic and say, you know what, we've got to show the fans that we're progressing, that we're going to show the fans that this just isn't good enough. If you've had to play on the road for majority of your season and then you finally get to come home for even just a few games, I think you're off limits. Like, I think your fan base would understand if all of a sudden you turned around and said, you know what, man, we probably could, under usual circumstances, make this change. But considering that guy has had to stay in a hotel for the last couple of months, considering that this team hasn't had a home game in months, I just can't do it. I can't pull the trigger on this, and I'm real sorry, but we're going to look at next year. And if, you know, say in the first four or five games things don't work out, then maybe we'll make the move then, but I just can't do that now. And even if they waited until the offseason to make that move, I think it would have been a little more justifiable. So, yeah, I mean, obviously Whitecaps ownership and Whitecaps management looks smart. Letting go of Mark Dos Santos results in a 4-1 victory for the Whitecaps at home over Real, and everybody looks good. I just wouldn't have done it with a coach that he's been through as much as he's been through. Same with the BC Lions. You don't make personnel changes in the midst of what's going on. Like, for example, the Vancouver Canadians, half of their staff is in Vancouver, half of their team is down in Hillsboro. That group that's been down in Hillsboro has been down there for, what, four or five months now? This is an all-hands-on-deck moment, and I just don't think you make snap judgment decisions like the Whitecaps did. And again, Whitecaps look good because the result is a 4-1 win, I just, I, I don't know, maybe I've got a little more empathy for guys that have been through that. And it, like I said, if the Blue Jays would fire Charlie Montoyo, most situations I'd say, okay, if they're not winning, if they miss the playoffs, you make that move. But to a guy that has had to call home in two different states and a different province in one season, I just don't think you make those moves. But that's me. So anyways, White Caps back on the winning side of the ledger. BC Lions getting ready for their next game. Vancouver Canadians are going to be wrapping up their season in the next couple of days. And you want to talk about a team who you really feel for. And somebody said, you know, do you think that this is going to be a problem for the Canadians next year? Oh, no. I think that people are going to look at the Vancouver Canadians and really want to come out and support them. I think, if anything, once baseball, hopefully, knock on wood, gets back to the norm next year, that, if anything, people will come back in droves. This might actually help them in April and May, in those two early months where a lot of people thought that maybe they'd only have half full stadiums. I think two years without baseball, and then all of a sudden a nice sunny day in April or May, people are going to be like, hell yeah, I'm going to go support that team and absolutely make my presence felt. So I think for the Canadians, we can't wait for them to come home. It has been a long, long summer. Uh, at least they got baseball. But uh, again, for the Canadians who this year, I don't know if you've been following them, 11 games out of first place behind Everett, who's in a dogfight with Eugene. The Emeralds, just a half game back of Everett. Spokane is in the conversation. They're two games out of first. So Everett, Eugene, and Spokane fighting towards what they hope is a championship in the high A West, Vancouver, Hillsboro, and Tri-City looking for greener pastures and the start of the 2022 season. And finally, to the pitch on the other side of the water, a report coming out on ESPN.com about how 12 years after leaving Old Trafford, Cristiano Ronaldo is back with Man U, and how within 48 hours, with less than a week remaining in the transfer window, Ronaldo went to Juventus, said he wanted to leave, and they found a way to get him back to Manchester United. But what makes the story so interesting, go to ESPN.com and check on this story because it looked as if all roads were leading to Manchester City and then a combination of text messages and a phone call led Ronaldo back to the rival of Man City, 
going back to Manchester United, where from 2003 to 2009, he was the story. I love the -the behind-the-scenes stuff that pieces together a monumental move like this. Like, Ronaldo is one of the greatest players of our generation, and he's going back to one of the most storied franchises on our planet. All right, that'll wrap it up. Another edition of Sports Bar Radio. My thanks to Jay Swing, my brother from another. Everybody over at Equity Guru has been so kind to me. Chris Perry, Galen, Esan, JP Chung, and the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. We will be back tomorrow. A little later was this show, wasn't it? Yeah, but you know what? We're going to be back at it bright and early tomorrow. Look forward to talking more sports with you. Again, a lot of stuff going on in the world of baseball. We've got some CFL news coming your way, and we will update you on the U.S. Open. We'll get you through Monday Night Raw. We'll let you know what the numbers are for AEW. So many things. That's why you check on this show Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Sports Bar Radio. Real quick, real dirty, we get you caught up in the entire world of sports. Little opinion, just to spread it out a bit more than anything. Let's you and I reconnect again tomorrow, and I can't wait to have that conversation with you then. On behalf of everybody behind the scenes, I'm Rob Fay. Have yourself a great day. This has been Sports Bar Radio, brought to you as always by Equity Guru. Sports Bar Radio was brought to you by Equity Guru, investment information for the new generation. Visit us at equity.guru and let's make some money together. Please note, any mention of companies on this podcast is part of a promotional campaign, and the information you hear should be a part of extensive due diligence. As well, always get advice from an accredited financial advisor before you make any investment decision. Protect yourself.